Welcome to InsideCatholicPhilly.com, where we explore the Catholic faith as it's experienced in church and in everyday life. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with our editor, Matt Gambino. And along with our guests, we discuss the Catholic take on everything from sacraments and Sunday Mass to social media and sports, based on CatholicPhilly.com's award-winning news and commentary. Thanks so much for spending a few moments with us here at CatholicPhilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. Our editor, Matt Gambino, is on assignment, but he joins us in spirit. Well, you don't have to read much of the news to know that the world these days is filled with a lot of anger and a lot of hurt, and all that pain in turn leads to a lot of violence. It's often said that hurting people hurt people, and in recognizing that, we can find the key to healing. And to talk more about that, we've invited Fred Trainer, a longtime program counselor. Fred is the recently retired and now volunteer program counselor at the Archdiocese of Philadelphia's De La Salle Vocational School. Del Voc, as it's fondly known, is a day program for at-risk youth and youth assigned from family court. And the school provides education, vocational training, and life change support. Fred, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Well, thanks for having me. So, Fred, what prompted you to take on this work in the first place? This is not easy work. What drew you to it? From the outside or the inside? Both. Well, from the outside, I'll go back to 1968-69. Archbishop Ryan had just started, and we had a principal, Father Noel Wall. He's a Franciscan, and he would give these homilies, and he would have all of this joy in his voice, and he would be inviting us into this mystery, which is the mystery of Jesus in our lives. The backdrop was the 60s, and so for me, not a whole lot of things were making sense, and authority was definitely deeply questioned. Anybody that was waking up back then was wondering how it is that we could go and bomb the people we were bombing in Vietnam. Body bags were coming back, and on top of all that, I was in my adolescence, so a natural time to question, and there's no standing up there, and he is interpreting Jesus, and he is doing it in a way that just started to create some kind of order out of all the chaos. And most of us resisted that. You know, you got to be kidding me. You believe that? How come all the adults are acting this way or that way if this is true about Jesus? But he would just be that beginning place for me on the outside, not including role models I had in my family. And I started to wake up and think that, well, maybe this business of a personal God that really is looking out makes some kind of sense. And I started to use that as the template to understand all of the chaos in the world, all the injustice. So that's on the outside. That was the outer call, but it sounds like it was also an inner call, too, that drew you to it. You know, remember when you were a kid and you looked up at the stars and you just began to, like, have that sense of awe and wonder? And then the whole Piaget developmental guy who's talking about how the brain develops in children. And we're trying to put up the deeper sense of order, what the deeper pattern is. We just keep doing that. We all do that. We're trying to figure out at the deepest level why we're here and how to find meaning in our life. But I guess part of the answer to that is internally, you cannot not 
open yourself up to these questions of how to make order and meaning and sense out of the chaos that's the universe. So I was curious. Early on, I was curious and started asking questions and go after the deeper stuff. And some of that deeper stuff is central to a treatment strategy you've used in your work all these years called trauma-informed care. And that really is something that goes deep. Not everyone's heard of that treatment modality. Can you tell us what is trauma-informed care and why does it work? Well, this is Sandra Bloom and her buddies' work where they created sanctuary model. And Sandra Bloom is a psychologist or psychiatrist? I think she's a child psychiatrist. And she just figured out that the psychiatric model back in the 60s and 70s, guys coming back from NAM, you know, what we started to understand is post-traumatic stress disorder. We started to actually label that and begin to understand it. She saw this. She saw that everybody that had some kind of disorder, that that could be traced back to some kind of childhood trauma. And once you go there, then you say, okay, well, what happens in the brain when you're exposed to trauma? And how do you then develop coping mechanisms and get into all sorts of dysfunctional patterns and systems in the family and the culture? that reinforce that trauma. And most of us would look the other way and get into the denial game. And so a guy today picks up a gun and he shoots people. And, you know, we want to make him a bad guy. We don't want to try to understand what was going on in his brain, in his formation process that may have contributed for him to make that turn into giving up. And actually, that's a critical term we all have to face, right? There's that place where are you going to give up? Are you going to open yourself up to and expose yourself and somehow carry the craziness of the culture and the violence and the injustice? And if you do that, if you're going to carry it, you get overwhelmed, you can make that little turn into, okay, I don't care anymore and I give up. Or are you going to do just the opposite and start to understand that suffering is part of life? But there's some kind of larger narrative that can go on. For me, it's the narrative that Jesus spoke about. But the larger narrative that allows you to overcome, not deny the suffering, but overcome it. So the trauma-informed care and that whole model is a way of creating in society, in cultures, in smaller communities. It's a way of creating health and balance and emotional intelligence and safety and so on and so forth. So that's what Sandra brought to the table. She's been developing that with her buddies. And a whole bunch of programs have absorbed that whole sanctuary model. And part of that is if you have it in your school, for instance, you have all sorts of meetings and you learn about psych ed kinds of themes, about how to be emotionally safe, understand your emotions, name and tame them how to find your voice, how to have good boundaries, how to care for one another, how not to have bullies or deal with the internal shadow side of yourself where you have that bully inside yourself. You want to bully other people. This model helps us to understand all that stuff so that our school that has accepted and adopted the sanctuary model has all these great practices that help people not go inside, not disappear and become invisible and then act it out later on. So that's a different kind of school. It's basically saying that school is a community, and the healthier the community, the healthier the individuals, which includes a whole lot of skill building. So that's that sanctuary model. 
One of the things that's so central to your work that I've noticed in my coverage of your work is the power of story and the power of a personal narrative. Can you talk about why claiming that is transformative to the youth you work with? Well, I think it's transformative to anybody to start to understand their story and why they're here. I think we're born asking the question, why am I here and how can I make sense out of me? and what's been happening to me and my choices and that kind of thing. For the guys that have stories that are filled with trauma, they typically have a lot of shame associated with all that trauma. As kids, we just are like sponges. We absorb the pain in our families and in our neighborhoods. And we end up doing that twisted little thing where we blame ourselves. It's just part of the narcissism of children. And we all tend to think that, wow, You know, mom and dad are fighting. It must be my fault. I spilt the milk at the table, and that's why they're fighting. We kind of are at the center of our own world. We don't know how to have the boundaries that let dad's issues be dad's issues. Rather, we end up carrying them. So as soon as you are given permission to look inside and to look at your story, especially the part of the story that had trauma associated with it and what you've done with that as a young kid. Now, as you get older, now you have the capacity, if you trust somebody, to take a harder look, a more cognitive-oriented look, if you will. You start to open up. You can examine the whole question of, well, was that your fault, by the way? Or was that the adults in your life that didn't have their act together, that somehow were acting out what was done to them, passing on generation to generation, the dark stuff, the twisted stuff. So in telling your story, you begin to make sense out of what happened. And you can parse out what was yours and what wasn't yours to carry. And so you get into that whole kind of thread that leads to forgiveness, deeper understanding, wisdom, and you stop running away from suffering. Eventually, you stop creating suffering for yourself and other people. That's where that takes you. So getting a hold of your own narrative, and in a very interesting way, at some point along that line, free will becomes enabled. And so without understanding what is leading you in terms of your impulses and those dark memories and some of those bad choices, without really understanding what leads you to making those choices, being with the kind of friends that go down the dark path, for instance, where they have unexamined trauma work to be done. They have this deep, dark shadow side that they act out. Well, without really examining that stuff, you just stay caught up and believing that you're this bad guy and, you know, that's the thread of life you're you're following. That actually counters an objection that's often raised when people start examining the backstory of a person's life because so many say, well, you're just trying to justify your poor choices. But you're saying that examining it, claiming it, increases the free will and enhances your yeah. ability to choose wisely. Yeah, that's a beautiful point. So here you go. So you're not trying to understand your behavior from the point of view of making excuses or enabling your sense of being the victim. In understanding what happened to you. Actually, you stop being the victim and you can actually choose to be something other than the victim. So understanding the past isn't to make excuses. It actually helps you take more responsibility. So you can actually get to the place where you can say to somebody you've hurt, you know, hey, look, I did do this and I'm sorry. And is there a way I can make up for it? And I'm asking your forgiveness. Now that doesn't come out of excuse making. That comes out of taking responsibility for who you are. And that comes from deep understanding. 
understanding and acceptance of what happened. So it's letting go of the part of your past that by holding on to it in the twisted way you're holding on to it, you're kind of justifying all this negative behavior. Well, no, 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 no. We don't want to do that. That just keeps us stuck and blocked. We want to give that stuff up. So the narrative that is the freer narrative in our life that enables free will is the one where we kind of ride with what Jesus was saying. It's a very interesting thing that once you start to understand, you let Jesus talk to you a little bit, you can open up inside yourself a place of real forgiveness and understanding and then get on with your life and execute free will in the way that we hope we all learn to execute free will. Fred Torino, the power of trauma-informed care, the power of story, and above all, the power of Christ working in each and every life. Thank you so much. I hope you'll come back soon. Love to. God bless. Thank God bless. <laughs> so you've heard our thoughts. What about yours? Reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Catholic Philly or visit us online at catholicphilly.com. Thanks so much to Matt Gambino, the editor of catholicphilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. And until next time, may God bless and keep you transforming lives. That's what the Society of St. Vincent de Paul of Philadelphia is all about. Called to service by our Catholic values, we work directly with our neighbors in need to help with the most basic necessities. Our lives are transformed, as are hopefully those we serve. Visit svdp-phila.info to see how you can join with us to help. That's svdp-phila.info. This podcast has been a production of CatholicPhilly.com. Music by Dustin Taylor Phillips. For more information, visit us online at CatholicPhilly.com.